Welcome to another episode of the Dante or Die podcast. I'm Daphna, the co-artistic director. I'm Terry, the other co-artistic director. <laughs> so, uh, Terry, you are uh, on your own for the first interview today. Yep. I'm really intrigued to hear it, actually. Well, I, I always wonder how... Uh, no, really. <laughs> I always wonder how it feels to be... so up close to an audience you should do it one day I'm let's get you I'm into sure. one I'm not sure I will yeah because you're always directing well I think you should try it next time I think I'll, st- I'll stick to directing no, let's get you in the next one <laughs> uh, let's do it let's go yeah so we're going to think about like how we work with the audience and like how the audience's roles in different ways uh, affect it and affect the narrative whether they're up close whether they're flies in the wall whether we're leading them whether they're part of things and um I really like the stuff about the intimate performance stuff. Can't wait to hear it. So today we don't have Daphna, the director. It's just us mm-hmm. performers, actors, makers um, in the room together. And I've got amazing people with me. T- incredibly talented Fiona Watson. Hi. Hi, Fiona. <laughs> oh, gone all red now. <laughs> <laughs> And the very charismatic Elan James. Thank you. How are you both doing? Yeah, good. Good. Kind of excited to have this chat, actually. Yeah, yeah. So am I. I, I was saying I, I love listening to podcasts. So yeah, we had a good chat about podcasts. Yeah, 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 yeah. Being on one is quite exciting. Do you know, together, um, I've performed with you guys in five different shows. Wow. Yeah, quite mm. a lot of shows. That's a lot. Um, and I thought we'd jump straight in at the deep end and talk about intimacy to start things yeah, off. Yeah, go for it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I was thinking about a moment in uh, User Not Found, which is our show that is performed in cafes. And about an hour into the show, I've, I'm a bit drunk and I'm grief-stricken. And I've just seen this image of Cheryl Crow talking to me. And I'm exhausted. And uh, we kind of devised this moment where I would... kind of slide towards an audience member and put my head on their lap mm. and the first time I performed it I was really terrified about like how is this person going to cope with this um, and it was an Ipswich I remember being really sweaty myself as well <laughs> <laughs> and being like oh how is this going to go and like laying my head on her lap and the woman just like patted my head oh, that was really sweet and it was really sweet and I was like yes it worked yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then you kill the moment because you're like, yeah, go on. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah. <laughs> in Take On Me, I had to take all my clothes off briefly in the changing rooms. And we decided that we'd do the full change. Because mm-hmm, how, mm-hmm. how could you not? Because the audience were also in the changing room with me. So yeah, literally right next to you. Yeah, literally. I mean, imagine the size of a quite small sports centre changing room with 30 people. I was just worried that people get shocked and storm out or something because mm. not only was it nudity, See, yeah. but it wasn't even nudity on stage. It was like nudity <laughs> right in front of you, you know. Did it did it start to feel different after you'd done it a few times? Yeah, I got a lot more used to it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think, but I think that was because people didn't freak out. But how yeah, does yeah. the actor in you cope with that? Because at the same time, you're delivering quite a heartfelt uh, monologue. Yeah. Because you have to, you, you do have a split brain as an actor. Mm. You have the, no, it's, it's, no, it's kind of better than that. You are, um, you are being truthful as an actor, but within a given set of circumstances. Mm-hmm. So the given set of circumstances are that there are 30 other people <laughs> packed in the room with you. Mm. It was, we decided fly on the wall. So for our characters, those people 
didn't they weren't there right. and you've already accepted that so you just kind of behave as truthfully as possible within that thing so there's that oh my god and then immediately you're like on to the next second and the mm. next second is the next part of your speech or it's the relationship with the other performer or, yeah yeah do you know what I mean it's sort of and it's so interesting isn't it like if you if you let your your brain see you from outside for a couple of seconds yeah you have to like whip it down somehow don't you yeah, and go yeah, like I, I need to stay in this moment mm. I need to stay in this moment yeah. I've had mm. two uh, really interesting intimacy experiences both in the same scene mm. of Dante Eye show um, in Handle With Care where we did at storage units um, in my scene I was playing I was playing the lead character's boyfriend and each scene takes place at a different chapter in her life where mm. she's using a storage unit and her life is, you know, moving. And um, and when I come into the room, it's all passion and, and we're, we're like kissing and we're up against the wall. And uh, but obviously the wall was with the audience are on the wall. And so sometimes there wasn't a space for us. And I remember... <laughs> Amy just kind of happily having me leaned up against an audience member while I was kissing her. <laughs> it was so like, it was really weird, but also the audience wasn't there for me, so I had to just get on with what the kiss was, which was really weird, quite funny. But the other time in that same scene, it's my favourite theatre story because it it became the most... Um, real scene I'd ever done because one thing not being in an auditorium and not having that that fourth wall even in, well we we're playing the fourth wall because we're playing the audience aren't there right um but we're in the real space and at the end of that scene with Amy my character gets really jealous about a cassette tape he's found physical space what were you looking for? that is from her younger brother who died when he went traveling I was just sorting through my things no you were looking for something in particular no I wasn't was it this says, uh, please come with me, love M. He's got a shit taste in music. Give me the tape. No, who's M? Just please give me the is tape. Is it him? Is it Matthew? No, of course not. Now, where did you get that? It's full out your bag. Oh, it fell out or you fucking took it out. Don't try and turn this around. You're taking it Don't out, Mark. Don't you dare try and turn this around. You always do that. No, it's been lived on it. Let me Calm Let down. me fucking speak! Oh my god, look, it is not Matthew, of course. But it's someone, isn't it? Someone, what did he stop, stop! So who is he then? My brother. Made that for me when he went travelling. And I don't know that it's from him, so I think it's from another guy who said, Love you lots, M. And so I'm furious that I found this tape and this argument gets really heated. It's about 10 o'clock at night in Shoreditch in this uh, storage unit. And as, as, she's, as she's like defending herself but not revealing what it is, I crush this tape in my hand and she screams like, no, and I throw it on the floor. And then all we heard from outside the room was, hello. <laughs> and we, just, <laughs> we were just staring at each other and we froze because the audience doesn't know this isn't part of the play. And I was like, the guy was like, are you okay? And I said, I'm fine. <laughs> and then there was a pause, because obviously that wasn't the answer he was looking for. <laughs> and so he asked again, and then both Amy and I at the same time shouted, we're fine. And then he just heard his footsteps walk <laughs> off. And we're like, okay, we can carry on with the scene. Nobody knows that was supposed to happen. <laughs> but it was amazing, because 
that would have been perhaps the real thing that happened if that was a real life situation, mm. yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah. So I, oh, I, I love that moment. Yeah. And that you and Amy like gluing eyes to each other going, yeah. what do we do? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which the audience don't know that's what's happening <laughs> yeah. with you as actors. Yeah, as far as they're concerned, that's another character outside and it's part of the play. You should yeah, have written it. it in. It was quite a good moment. It was, dramatic. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's it, isn't it? Those moments when the outside world intrudes on your performance because it is mm. site-specific and you're not in a carefully controlled theatrical environment. Yeah. Anything can happen. Because often actors are quite precious about what they've rehearsed and it's going to be like this and I want it to look like this and I want it to feel like this every yeah. time. Yeah. But, but personally, I, I, I don't think I'm a precious actor because mm. of how I started... <laughs> So when I when I left drama school, I went into Warhorse as an understudy, and that's like a because it's such a big ensemble show, and there's what we call knock-ons every day, which is oh, this person is slightly injured for this lift, or this person's on holiday. So your show is always different, and you're mm. always just just getting it together and just going on and do the thing and make sure the show works. Um, and the same was when I played uh, my covers. It was like you might get half an hour rehearsal before the show starts. So I never felt precious in, in my introduction to the industry. I never felt precious about my my work in that sense because mm. it was never going to go the way I wanted it to in the first place. So site specific di didn't have that. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't different for me in that sense. For me, the whole point of theatre is that it's live. Mm -hmm. That we're yep. in this room yeah. together, yeah. and we're sharing this space. And the moments for that we started doing that uh, early on, it just felt like that's even more heightened in this kind mm. of work. Yeah. And you can't get away without it being live and you can't get a I love the idea that the audience will affect every single performance and then it will be different mm -hmm. and that that's a, a joy. Yeah. And, and that's different depending on what performances it is. But... Like in Take On Me, it was drastically different depending on the leisure centre, depending on the, yeah. the the participants that we had in the guest cast or the community choir that we were working with. It was hugely different. And I guess as a maker or as an artist, it teaches you about um, what the importance of it is. Because yeah. you have to drill down so hard to find the importance and the reason that this exists. Yeah. Right. Um, and also it's just really fun um, like it gets people who might nod off in a theatre mm -hmm. to smile or to feel a bit like oh I didn't expect to feel anything in this show mm -hmm. or uh, I really feel like it has this power um, that TV doesn't have yeah. absolutely well it is true you're involving them in a direct relationship with you they can't sort of not have that well, and even if they leave, they still have agency. Mm. Yeah. They choose to be there or they don't. Mm. It's not like they're passively sitting in a dark theatre with seats too scared to walk out because everyone That's will right. see them yeah. going. Yeah, yeah. They can go if they want. And yeah. I think people enjoy the live performance of actors when they are really close to them. Like there's something quite electric about it. Yeah. yeah. Um, especially with the fly on the wall nature of like I do and take on me. If it feels like you're and handle the care you're, mm. you're peeking in on people's lives mm. and I think there's an enjoyment as an actor to doing this thing really close up to people and you can also feel their um, engagement with it or not mm. um, you can see tears in their eyes I remember in News and Not Found um, it was really tough actually that 
there was a moment where I accepted that my partner has died, and and there's this beautiful speech that I, I I gave, I deliver, and at the end I'm just, I just stop, and it's really quiet for the first time, and right behind me there was a woman who was really sobbing, mm. and I could tell obviously she'd experienced something. Oh, yeah, and she was right there, and I, I, the sound of her crying was picking up on my microphone. I could feel it, and I was able to just look at her and say, "I get it." Oh wow! And it was really special, and it, it felt like a really important moment as a performer, um, because that's kind of what we're doing it for, isn't it? Mm. We're doing it to to shine light on these things that we all experience, and to reflect what's going on in the world or in our in our little lives or that's that's incredible you got to share the moment with her Mm. yeah because because normally more so on screen but even in a play even if it resonates with you it's separate Mm -hmm. from you and that moment was between the two of you yeah Uh, if you're talking to other actors who are about to perform in the first sight specific show what things should they do or think about the two things that spring to my mind is um kind of really work on your lines don't yeah. just just even if you're a good improviser or something don't assume that that would be the case because it won't be because other things change and the other thing is like if you have a journey to go on mm-hmm. um, in the uh, on the site that you're working on make sure that you walk through your journey yeah. a few times mm. so you really know where you're going from A to B to C because I've I've messed up a couple of times <laughs> um, and kind of gone to the wrong scene and then phew, it's yeah Obviously, then you run very fast back to the right yeah, scene, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, where everybody's slightly wide-eyed, waiting for you to turn up. You know, it's it's important to know where you're going. Um, God, tip from me. Um, I guess, I guess you. It's a different. Um, what would you call it? You were talking about it earlier with like your the space that you're performing in. You go to the back of your auditorium. That's like where you're mentally performing to yeah Yeah. um i guess it's being aware that if if say you're familiar with theater that you you have to drop that Mm. brain and and just pick up the one that's in the specific room that you're in yeah because uh yeah act acting to the gods in a storage unit isn't isn't going to work simple really weird yeah but the beauty of that is you get to just really be in what that literal moment is and the audience are paying enough attention that, that they pick up all of it anyway. True. It might be different, I guess, in a massive site-specific space. Perhaps then you, you, you take on more of that theatre mentality where you're performing to somebody who, who won't hear you or won't quite read what's on your face as well further away. Yeah. But generally, in a small space, you just get to just live that moment as it would be. Um, so letting go of I think I, I guess in a sense letting go of theatricality because yeah. you, it won't serve you there necessarily um, also that people aren't out to get you they're out to they want to love you mm. like the people who come all come because they want to have a good time and they want to love you and, uh, even the critics and the producers yeah yeah yeah, yeah, them, yeah. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah especially the critics mm. and the <laughs> yeah so, um, Terry, what, what would your tips be to people coming to site-specific work as performers for perhaps the first time? Um, I think I would say 
challenge yourself and go for that challenge. Um, when you're feeling uncomfortable, just push yourself through it. Yeah. Because it's, you kind of have to get out of your comfort zone um, and to really think about what the audience are experiencing um, and putting yourself in the position to give them the best thing, uh, best experience of that. Uh, is that when when you say thinking about what the audience are experiencing? Is that is that partly your director brain as well? There. Oh, maybe it is. Um, but whenever I work with actors in this kind of mode, I try to get them to think about where the what the audience are experiencing because then you as the actor can kind of serve that better. Mm. Um, mm. I think often when you're in stalls in a theatre, people don't even think about what the audience are experiencing because mm. they're just thinking about what they're doing yeah, and yeah, yeah. putting it out there. Whereas actually if you put yourself in the position of the audience member, then suddenly you're empathetic. You're like, oh, that might be uncomfortable for them. But mm -hmm. I could do, if I do it slightly more like this, right, yeah, I see. they'll probably really enjoy it. Or um, like you were saying, you're kind of winning them over early on, teaching them the rules. And if you kind of, as an actor, can think about what their experience is going to be and part of your job is to serve that experience mm, mm. Um, that's a really useful thing to consider in, mm. your, in your process yeah that's, that's a really good answer it is a like really that. good answer thanks yeah. I'm a site specific theatre specialist don't you know <laughs> 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 well, thank you so much both of you for uh, coming and chatting it's been a pleasure yeah thanks for having me it really has it's yeah. been lovely yeah it was good fun well, like going on stage anyway is fucking scary and terrifying every time we do it you've got a new show and you barely know what you're doing and you're going why have I put myself in this position um, and then you get this kind of fizz of energy from being in this moment and sharing this thing and actually skin hunger was like beyond anything else I've experienced as a performer because, because it was one on one it was one on one it was over and over and it was really emotional it was like we hadn't been touching anyone. And then I was holding hands with people and people were crying on me and I was hugging them or they were looking at me like they fucking hated my guts. And that was actually really exhausting. I don't know if you remember at the end of the... We were doing six shows a day, which was doing 18 times of the same um, speech, but obviously different every moment. We were exhausted. I remember because you were also coming to that performance from a very emotional place of mm. also not touching anyone and yeah. also coming... the in the middle of the pandemic to perform it. Yeah, yeah. So that was ridiculously exhausting. Um, but there's something kind of magical about it, which I guess most actors thrive on that. Um, but I guess with the, with this intimacy and you're sharing this moment, you're looking in somebody's eyes or you're feeling how they're feeling, there's something um, just so human about this exchange that's happened. It's artificial. Mm-hmm. But there's, there's something magical and exhilarating about it um, because it feels a bit dangerous and it feels a bit um, that we don't get this all the time in life. That's it's hard to explain it. No, it's, it's, I think it was a very good explanation, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we're going to hear from Anna Richmond, who's a performer. She worked with us for a decade. Mm. And then she was also a rehearsal director. When we I came love her to so much. Make Take On Me. Yes, me too. Because you came in as a performer and you had a lot of knowledge from being really up close to audiences. What what are the things that were key to pass on to people that you've worked with as a rehearsal director, community participants? Mm. 
I tried to always tell them that performing is really liberating. I don't think I ever said it in those words, but I wanted to pass over a sense that it would be fun to do it. If you go and really surprise loads of people because you show up in a dressing gown poolside and sing like a massive 80s banger and then jump into the pool, like I think you will surprise yourself and I think that'll be fun. (laughs) I think it is quite fun. I think that's why I like site-specific work is because it is unpredictable and it is a bit rogue. And can you think of uh, some take on me challenges? I remember, for example, we couldn't rehearse when we made it originally. So I'm sure it happened on the road, but we had um, a female singer who performed the male changing room and a male singer in the fi- but so we could never rehearse them until, until <laughs> five minutes before the show in the same space. Do you, what were the biggest challenges for you in working on those real sites with community members? Um, sometimes you get somewhere and what, looked like it was going to be two rooms was one room and um, so then you had to make it into two rooms like that that was quite hard because sound wise you could just hear the other scene clear as day mm-hmm. um it was a it, there was a lot because I guess like every space is different sometimes you'd be like oh the the transition from this room to the next room takes about two and a half minutes longer Mm. than it did last time and that that throws everything out of whack timing wise um loads of stairs oh stairs lifts lift stair timing how long does it take this group to get down loads of stairs whilst this person comes down in a lift but then this pit like this scene has a wheelchair user in it so then they need to go up in the lift at the same time as they're coming down that sort of logistical um and how, what were the strategies to overcome these? Because um... Brain power. <laughs> Sitting down, thinking about it and doing the work, I think is always the answer, but it always means that you're up really late at night. Logistical, <laughs> logistical theatre we used to call it, don't we? Yeah, but that's, I like logistics. I, get, I don't know. Just everyone who works inside Pacific Theatre like logistics, or is it just the way you guys do it? I think it's inevitable, isn't it? Because you have to deal with real life locations that you can't just change and say, oh, we'll just make that work for us. Like you said earlier, Mm -hmm. like you have to figure out a way to make what you want to do work within these parameters. Mm, Yeah. And it's also like very team focused. I remember you'd go off and you'd kind of try and make a plan and then you'd come back and give it to us as well as the technical stage managers. And then we'd all go, right, let's test it out. Mm. There's a lot of planning and then testing. Yeah. Is that engineering? I imagine that's what engineering is. <laughs> Just like engineering. <laughs> Putting a headband and leg warmers in an 80s looking leisure centre. It's just like engineering. <laughs> <laughs> you make it sound like it's a fun thing to do, Daphne, but it isn't. <laughs> it's complicated. <laughs> it's very complicated, I agree. There's something very satisfying when it works and the audience don't realise yeah. how much work has gone into that. Do you ever wish that you could like be like, guys, at the end of a show, do you just want to tell people how hard it was? 
<laughs> I think I think the reason I do worked mm. is because people could see how because they saw all the different rooms and they knew it's all happening at the same time there was something about the form and the content marrying really well that the yeah. audiences appreciated um yeah appreciated the the work that went into it and how hard all the performers are working that was part of the joy of it and also because in every cycle we as performers we all gave each other the cues throughout didn't we there was no stage management It was knocking on doors, it was shouting in the corridor, it was phone calls that we were all doing as performers. And as they went on, the audience started to realise these things because they yeah. were repeating. And so by the end, they were really enjoying the fact that they could see the me mechanism of how it was all working together. That's our performance one done. That was a really lovely episode. I learned a lot. Did you? What I did. did you learn? I just learned why you do it <laughs> you know why these stupid actors why do you do this thing i did actors are pretty amazing thank you so much to those lovely actors who shared their experiences with us anna fiona ej and terry o'donovan i'm still here um if there's any actors out there listening and you've got any questions about it get in touch at dante or die if you want to know more about our work just head to our website danteodai.com it's all in there that's it That's it. Laters. Bye. This has been a Dante or Die podcast. Thank you to our producers, Marie Horner and Erica McCoy. And for the music by Yaniv Friedel and our brilliant Dante team, Caitlin, Lucy, Sophie and Catherine. The podcast was recorded at Phoenix Court and Soho Sonic Studios. And it's been funded by Arts Council England. <laughs>